So this morning, I really just felt that it's apt to preach on Abba. And I want to look at the three verses, really, that's used in the New Testament. You know, this is not a term that was ever used in the Old Testament, ever. It's something that Jesus introduced because of his Father. So let's quickly look at that. Let's look at the, th the verses this morning. The word Abba is a family word, and it will always indicate something of closeness and intimacy and a personal relationship with God as one's Father. So all these verses, these three verses that we're going to read now, we'll, we'll see that He is our Father. So it's interesting, and I might touch on it, but just want to show those two words, Abba, Father. So in the, in the Greek context, it was written like that, Abba and Pater, Abba ho Pater. That's how it was written in the original Greek language. So they even used the word, the Hebrew word, Abba, even in that translation. And they even translated it back into English as Abba. And the beautiful thing is that it portrays something of who the Father is. So the first time we see this family term it was used by Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark chapter 14. So if we can put up Mark 14. And he said this. This is what Jesus is praying. He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not will, what I will, but what you will. Jesus gave himself as a living sacrifice. Jesus, no man took Jesus' life. He gave it. And God the Father loved us so. John 3, 16. It's that beautiful verse. We've read it a hundred times, maybe thousands of times. For God so loved this world that he gave his only son Jesus is praying that prayer in the garden and he's saying, God, uh, Father, for Daddy, <laughs> I don't want to go through this. This is going to kill me. And it did kill him. But not my will, yours be done. This is the first time that we see it. The second time that we see it is, it's used then in the New Testament in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. This is the spirit that's praying. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So I'm a dad of two little girls, if you don't know, some of you know, that I adopted. And adoption, when, when we started speaking about adoption, my wife and I, my wife told me and She's, she's not here this morning. My, my, my mother-in-law arrived yesterday from Durban very late. So they at home. But uh, my wife told me when she was six years old, she told her mother that she was going to adopt a child one day. And when we, before we got married, one of the prerequisites was we're going to adopt. We're going to try and have our own kids, but ultimately we're going to adopt and my wife was like pretty, pretty uh, kind of anxious a little bit when she told me that. And she thought that that thing is going to deter me maybe because, you know, dads, they want their own kids. The fruit of their own loins, you know. 
My quiver must be full. That's what the Bible says. But ultimately, I said to her, you know what? As a child of God, I'm adopted. We're all adopted. If you're a child of God, you're adopted into a family. The Bible says you were once strangers. You were alienated from the kingdom of God. But you have been adopted. There's no more fear. Can we put that scripture up? There's no more fear. Right now, the Bible says that we have received the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's the one. Pentecost happened. And this is the beautiful thing. It's because the Spirit, the Spirit age has changed everything. It's the game changer. I said it on Wednesday night. When the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, everything changed. It became the dispensation of the Spirit. And we still live in that. We are a people that are Spirit-led. We are a people that follow the nuances of the Spirit. We listen to the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit. Why? The Bible says, because those that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. We cry out, Habba. The third time that we see it is in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's the third time that we see it in the New Testament. One is of the Spirit crying out, and the other of believers crying out, Abba, to God, because of the Spirit of God has made it clear that we are children of God. You were once afar off, are now drawn in. You have a Father. This is the beautiful thing, that we are in a fatherless generation, but yet we have a Father. We have our God. We have Abba, Father. Abba is one of the greatest names of God and indeed may be the highest good name of God that we can use. For no other name so completely reflects the reversal of the curse and the separation that resulted from Adam's sin, bringing separation, each one of us, because of what Adam has done in the book of Genesis. Each one of us are alienated. We are separated from God. Our sin has separated us from God. God cannot come into that position because it's, He is a holy God. We will die. The wages of sin stays the same. It's still death because of sin that separates us. We need to say, God, we could not come into His presence. But Jesus came, the second Adam, the book of, 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 of um, Romans tells us, and he became the mediator. He's the one, the go-between between God and between man. The cross. This is the bridge. There's this massive ravine between us. This gap between God and man. And Jesus, the advocate. He's the one. There's no more separation, the Bible says. We can now freely enter into the throne room of grace. We can come to the Father. We can sit on the Father's lap and not die. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. Ephesians chapter 2 and Ephesians 5. Let's look quickly look at these two verses. 
in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. This world is, 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 in Afrikaans ons, die wereld is gedompel in hierdie sonde, and disobedience. Just look at the world. I mean, I am appalled at every single time that I open Facebook and I look at things and the adverts that is just being, you know, kind of pushed into our faces and the agendas that people have. And you know what's the worst part? That the church is compromising. The church is just buckling under it and say, well, well, if we don't, you know, we'll become archaic. And, and, the, and, and the world is pointing fingers and says, oh, you, you guys need to renew your understanding about love. My problem is that people don't know the God of love. They know the love of God, but they don't know the God of love. They don't know Him. Because if we say that God is a God of love, we need to also say that He's a God of anger and a God of justice. We need to look at all these things, all these attributes. But we want to look at one thing. This morning, I am highlighting one thing. I am highlighting that He is a Father. But if you want to study God, you need to understand theology is not just one thing. We don't just have a theology of love. We have a theology that God is also a God of wrath. He's a God of kindness. He's a God of mercy. A God of grace. When you look at all these things and keep them all in tension with one another. Ephesians 5 verse 6 says this. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God, there you have it, comes upon the sons of disobedience. You know, I look at my children, my own children, disobedience is punishable in my house. If they don't listen to me, there's a reason why I do that and discipline them. A, because I love them. If I tell my child to stop where she is at, there might be impending danger immediately in front of them. They need to listen to my voice. They might be running into the road or there might be a car coming. There might be an impending danger looming. I need to tell them to stop. They mustn't run another five steps and go, why not? Because those five steps might be meaning life or death. But you see, the world is saying, question everything. Just question everything and be disobedient to your own detriment. And that spirit is at work right now. That spirit is at work in the world today. When we were born again and the spirit enters us and impels us to cry this intimate family name, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, we surely see in this great applause a climax to the redemption story. We see this is the culmination that we can call Him Father. This story of love, this story of redemption, we look at it and we go, now I can call Him Father. 
And Jesus is modeling something for us. I think today's sermon is really just a feeble attempt to probe the depths of how profound this priceless name of Jesus is, of God is. And Job chapter 26, 14 says this, Behold, these are but the outskirts of His ways. <laughs> and how small a whisper do we hear of Him, but the thunder of His power, who can understand? I want to say that to you, that I think sometimes we're just touching the fringes of how big our God is and how priceless this name is, Abba, Father. He's the Holy One who can now openly address, we can now openly address Him as Abba because of what Jesus has done. God promises believers in 2 Corinthians 6.18, this is his promise. He says, and I will, I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord God Almighty. This is his promise to each one of you. And I want to say to you, even if you don't have a biological father today, he promises that he will be a father to you. A father in a fatherless generation. We find a father we find him. He's there. He's for us. And 1 John 3 verse 1, because of this, see what kind of love the Father, what kind of love the Father has given to us. That word love there is agape. It's a sacrificial love. He sacrificed His only Son. This is the love that God has shown towards us. This is the love that sent His Son. This is the love where He could turn His face away to not even look at His Son when He hung upon that cross for you and for me. This is the love that kept His Son on that cross. This is the love that let His Son come out of the grave three days later. This is the love that He has for us, that His Son ascended, giving us gifts and all those beautiful things that we saw at ascension. This is the love that He has for us, that He has His Son as an advocate that is now praying, sitting at the right hand of the Father, praying for you and for me. That is the love. What kind of love? And we should be called children of God. And so we are. And I, I love that. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. God needs to come and bring a revelation of His love. He needs to bring a revelation of His Father heart towards us. We now cry because of that. Abba, Father. And yet we do... Uh, fully understand, we do not know fully what it means to be able to confidently cry out, Abba. Do we understand really? Do we really understand what it means to cry out, Abba, to our Almighty God? When we use this term, this family term, J.I. Packer, and I read this little piece that he wrote, he says, He's asking this important truth about Abba Father. And he's saying, he's asking this question. He says, what is a Christian? The question can be answered in many ways. 
But the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as Father. <laughs> How beautiful is that? In other words, we were designed and are designed to live in a family. We are family. Okay. God designed us. It's not good for man to be alone. We see that in the book of Genesis. God did not design us to live alone. The Bible says clearly a man that isolates himself seeks his own desire in Proverbs. The Lord has meant us to be in family with God the Father as the head. God has meant us to be in family. This is why the church is here. This is what he has intended. When he, looks, when he looks at the church, he says, now through the church, I will make my manifold wisdom known to principalities and powers. Through the church. He's talking in Ephesians chapter five. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and laid down his life for her. Wives, submit to your husbands. He says, I'm talking about a mystery, but I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about family, but I'm talking about the church. It's the church. I'm continuing with what Joe Packer wrote, and he says, our highest privilege and deepest need is to be experiencing the Holy God as our loving Father, to approach Him without fear, and to be assured of His fatherly care and concern. But cannot this be said of every person, Christian or not? Emphatically, no. The idea that all are children of God is not found in the Bible anywhere. The gift of sonship to God becomes ours not through getting born, but through being born again. We see this in John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13. But to all who did receive Him, who believed. So there's two things you need to do. Believe and receive. In His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. It's not about being born. I'm not a good person. I wasn't born good. I was born in sin. But I, there was a moment in my life 26 years ago where God called me. Where God called me and He said, come thus far and no further. And I had a choice. Like I said on Friday night to the people, there's a choice. Yes or no. There's a choice. There's a choice. We all have a choice. And maybe today He's bringing you to that place of choosing. In the Old Testament, He says, See this day I have put life or death before you. And then God is so gracious. He says, Choose life. Choose life. I tell you, I don't know why people choose death, why they choose the things of this world. I don't know. Because it's empty. There's nothing in it. There's nothing in it. In the same way, you sum up the whole of the New Testament religion. If you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's holy father. 
If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. So the word Abba, let's look at it. Abba is translated as Abba even into English from the corresponding Aramaic as we saw, for which was used in the everyday language of families as a term addressing one's father. Children, as well as adult sons and daughters, used Abba when speaking to their fathers. And so Abba conveys a warm, intimate sense, just as with our expression, Dear Father. So when you go to your dad, and if you have your dad, I want you to go home today and call him and say, Papa, Daddy, dear Father. Because that's who he is. Call him. I wish, like Srengi, that I can talk, talk to my dad today. He died two years ago. I wish I could call him today. But if you have your father, go to him today and call him daddy. Because that's really what it means, daddy. Daddy. I know your kids call you daddy. It's beautiful. Because they understand something. We, yes, this is, as I woke up this morning, as I woke up this morning, this was the verse. He says, in the New Testament, he says, I teach you how to pray. You call him father. You say, our oh, father, right. But then before that, he says to them, you fathers that know how to give good gifts, you're evil. How much more will your Father in heaven give you? I mean, we, we're good dads. We try our best. You know, I look across this room and I look at the fathers and I go, these guys have tried their best with their kids and some of their kids are young and some of them are older and out of the house and we tried our best with our kids but we're still evil in our hearts and selfish and everything. How much more will God the Father come and love them? I want to tell you something that I had to learn about my adopted two children. That God loves them more than I can ever love them. I want to tell you that right now. If you're worried about your children, God loves them more than you can ever love them. I want to teach you that this morning. And maybe that's a consolation for somebody in this place that you're worried about your children and their salvation. I want to tell you this morning, God loves them more than you can ever love them. Here's a few things I want to look at. Abba, the word Abba emphasizes warmth. Warmth. Lily, Annabelle Rose, she is turning four this year. And uh, she comes and she, five this year, she comes and she lies on my on my chest. Every night, she's got this little ritual. She's got a little blanket. It's called Blanny. She's got the like, end of that little blanket. It's called the other one part where she can stick a, stick a finger through. So your finger must go through the other one part. 
a little bottle and daddy's chest. Like a few minutes, not even, a few seconds, she's fast asleep. Why? Because there's warmth. And I want to tell you that even the sons of thunder sitting at the sides of Jesus lay on his chest, wanted to hear, where are we going to sit in heaven? Sometimes it's good that we lie on the chest of our dad and just hear his heartbeat again over us. That the Bible says his banner over me is love. You need to understand that you are loved. The warmth, the intimacy, the intimacy that we have. It is a very personal relationship which exists between the believer and God. Intimacy. That's what it's about, His presence. It's about it, that intimacy. There's family tenderness. There's trust. My daughter trusts me. You know, I always, you know, we're going on holiday next week. None of my kids would come to me and say, Dad, okay, let's talk about this. Is there enough money in the bank? Just want to know. Did you service the car? The, you know, Dad, just, just, you know, I just want to check all these things that make sure, you know. No, no, no. My kids trust me that all those things are sorted. They're going on holiday. They don't care about those things. And I think so often we do that with God. Well, will God just, I just, I just want to find out one thing quickly. Just, it, you know, just this thing, is it sorted? Did you, did you forget about it? No, God says, I thought about everything. I, I know everything. I know your thoughts even from afar of Psalm 139 says. Before you even thought about it, I knew what you're going to think. Because <laughs> I formed you in your mother's womb. Trust and love. That's the combination. All of these things, warmth, intimacy, tenderness, relationship, trust, love. Vance Havner, he writes, he says, As children of God, we receive the unspeakably wonderful right to at any time boldly approach God's throne of grace, to receive mercy and grace to help in the time of need. And I've quoted it a few times this morning. Hebrews chapter 4, 16. Let us then, with confidence, my kids can come with confidence to me because they trust me. With confidence and boldness, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy, find grace to help in a time of need. You see, Psalm 103 verse 13 says this, that we are pitied as the father shows compassion to his children. So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. This is what the Father does. My kids, when they approach me, you know, they don't come and go, Oh, Father. <laughs> oh, Father of mine, thine Father. Thine children asketh thee that thy children can have Thine ball at thine chickers. No. Why do we do that? He's a dad. He's a warm dad, a compassionate dad. 
We can approach Him. We can sit on His lap. I hope He's too low. We can sit on His lap and we can talk. We can call Him Daddy. It's time that we call Him Daddy again. It's time that we sit on His lap and call Him Daddy. Daddy, my heart is sore. My kids come and, and Annabelle Rose, she'll go, my, my heart is sore. My heart is gebreek. I mean, like my four-year-old's heart is broken on something because somebody that was nasty to her. And I show compassion. That's what the father wants to do. We are protected for. We are provided for. And sometimes we are paddled. <laughs> so we pitied, protected, provided for. Sometimes we are disciplined. Why? Because God loves us. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at this. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons, as children? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be wary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? You see, even this is distorted in today's society. If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, he says, in your old, the ways that you've done this, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But, the, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. Verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful. <laughs> Ask my kids. Seems painful. Rather than pleasant. Anybody here that's disciplined, that, uh, that it seems pleasant? Anybody here? No. But later it yields, oh, this is so beautiful, the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God trains us through that. So He doesn't just have compassion on us. He protects us. He provides for us. And He disciplines us. So in closing, the idea that God is our Father, our Abba, is not only a sign of our spiritual health and of the authenticity of our faith. It is one of the most healing doctrines of Scripture that people can understand that they have a daddy. Some grew up only with a mother and no father. Others grew up in conventional homes where the relationship with the father was negative at best. But whatever our background, we need the touch of a father. And our God wants to provide that. Some of us need to, be, need to bow down before God and simply say, Dearest Father, Abba. And so find the wholeness and healing that He wants to give us. Beloved of the Lord, do you believe that He is your Abba? your dearest father. I want to end with these words by Charles Wesley. Arise, my soul, 
arise. May God, my God is reconciled. His pardoning voice I hear. He owns me for his child. I can no longer fear. With confidence I now draw near. With confidence I now draw near. And Abba, Father, Abba, Father, cry. Let's close our eyes this morning.